So we are in our sermon series called Repeat After Me. I've really kind of enjoyed this sermon series because it is taking a hard look at the Lord's Prayer. Uh, now, when Jesus was on earth 2,000 years ago, a few of his disciples asked him, they probably um, thought, wow, this guy really knows what he's doing in prayer. They saw him pray a lot. And we can assume that when they, when they saw all these miracles happening and they saw all these miraculous events happening, they thought, wow, this guy's got this prayer thing figured out. What can he teach us about this? And so he gave them a pattern. And we call it the Lord's Prayer. Why do we call it that? Because we believe that Jesus Christ is Lord, and this is the prayer that he taught his disciples to pray. I mentioned last week uh, that if you break down the Lord's Prayer, Jesus basically gives us five simple instructions. And I'm going to start by sharing those with you because it's a map, basically, of what we're going to be looking at. Uh, we looked at for two weeks already, and we're going to continue. Uh, so basically, the five uh, simple instructions when we do this thing called the Lord's Prayer, it's this. He addresses God, and as I said last week, that means look up. He invites God to do something or look down. He asks God to provide, which is where we're going to camp out a little bit today, or look right where you are, and then he asks God to forgive us. Or another way of saying that is to look into your past, to see, see what you need forgiveness for in your heart, what is holding you back from a deeper uh, relationship with God. Um, and then the last is to ask God to guide us moving forward or to look into our future. Now, I said this last week as well, and I think this is important. This is a pattern, but there's no wrong way to pray. Uh, and sometimes when people feel like, well, I don't really quite understand all of that yet about the Lord's Prayer and all those, those five, you said they're simple, but maybe they're complicated to some people who are new to faith. Well, I want to make sure you understand, I'm not saying, prayer is a communication with, between our hearts and God's hearts. There's no really wrong way to do it, but probably you know this, is that there's better ways of communication and there's less effective ways of communication, right? Um, so, so my four-year-old right now, we're, we're trying to help him understand this idea of communication. So sometimes he'll be like, I'm hungry, I need a snack now! And then my wife will say, can you say that in a nicer way? And he'll say, I'm hungry, I need a snack now! Please. <laughs> so, when we're talking about the Lord's Prayer, it's communication between God, but it's just effective communication between our hearts and God. Um, it's actually a very worshipful way to approach God. Now, over the past few weeks, we looked at addressing God, and last week, inviting his kingdom into this world. And we're going to be talking today about this section which says, give us this day our daily bread. Now, I don't know about you, but I find most of the time I don't have trouble finding bread. I sometimes find it way too often. Maybe I should pray, give me the salad, my daily salad, more often, but I don't always have problem in my house. Now, even when we run out of bread, which does happen, we make a lot of peanut butter and jelly at our house because we've got three young boys, but when, when we do run out of bread, what do we have to do? We just go to a store and we just get bread. Our pantry's full, and when it gets empty, we have enough money in the bank account, usually, to go to the grocery store and refill it. That may be true for a lot of people in this room, that we don't worry about where our next meal is coming from. Um, but there are actually a lot of people in this city who don't know. 
uh, Pastor Terry shared some, some research that she had found, which says this, that in America, one in six children may not know where they're getting their next meal. One in six in America. For nearly 13 million kids in the U.S., uh, for, for the nearly 13 million kids in the U.S. facing hunger, getting the energy they need to learn and grow can be a day-in, day-out challenge. Uh, I know this from talking to some folks in our um, tutoring program, that a lot of times when you're with these kids, you might find that they're not paying attention and it's hard for them to focus. A lot of that time it can be because of hunger. Um, they're not getting the meal. They didn't get a morning meal at home, and so they're distracted all day. And, and this has become a big problem for teachers because they, they can try to control the classroom environment, but they can't make sure that every kid gets a meal uh, every day. So uh, another statistic is this, that in St. Louis, in our city, 41.3% of all children in St. Louis City are below the poverty level. Now, 135 kids in St. Louis are at risk for hunger. This represents enough children in St. Louis alone to fill Bush Stadium three times over. A family of, thir of four that's facing hunger may be in need of 34 additional meals a month simply because they don't have enough money to buy food. So there's people in our community that have to make harder choices than we do every day. It's not just about which bread you'll eat. Sometimes it's about, uh, do I pay the electric bill or do I buy food for the family? So even people, th and, and think about this, a, a lot of times these are folks that love their kids just like you love your kids, that work a job that is hard. These are people that are really, really trying, and, and yet they're having to pray this prayer that we pray kind of nonchalantly, give me this day my daily bread, or give us this day our daily bread, and it just becomes a nonchalant religious action for us, but for some people, that is very, very real, which brings me to a really good point for this morning that I, that I hope you can take home with you, is that the thing that you take it for granted every day is the answer to someone else's prayer. The thing that you take for granted Every day is the answer to someone's prayer. So if you have bread, there's probably somebody in this city who's crying out to God for bread. You have a car, but there is probably somebody in this city who is crying out to God, Lord, give me some money for transportation so I can get a job to support my family. If you have your health, there's probably somebody, even somebody in this room who could be praying that their, their, their health is failing. They're just saying, Lord, Lord, please restore my health. So what you take for granted for every day is the answer to someone else's prayer. Because, see, this prayer, give us this day our daily bread, is not just about food, is it? It's not just about food. It's about recognizing everything that God provides for us. It reminds us that everything we have is actually a gift from God, that he is the provider. And maybe this is the most important lesson we need to take away from today, is that you are not the provider. You are not the provider, and I know that's hard for some of us. You feel like, well, I work hard. I try to provide for my family. But listen, God is the provider. He's the upholder of all things in our lives. It's God that provides, not us. Now, when I was about, I'm going to trace this back to about seven or eight. It, before 10 years old, it gets a little hazy for me. But I remember I was about seven or eight, and my mom showed me how, she's, she's here today. Thank you for this, mom. She showed me how to microwave a Pop-Tart. Now, personally, 
Like a Pop-Tart, how long does it take in like a, like microwaves, we use microwaves to make sure that things take less time to cook. And doesn't it only take like a minute if you put it in the toaster? But like, I, I guess if you're really, really packing your, your schedule tight, you need to microwave your Pop-Tart. So my mom showed me how to microwave a Pop-Tart. And here's, here's what I thought at that point. I've got this life thing figured out. I don't need help with anything now. If for some reason a hurricane came and wiped out my family, which would probably not happen, we lived in St. Louis, so not too many hurricanes, but if something terrible happened and I was all alone, I could do it. You know why? Because I can microwave a Pop-Tart. I really thought I am self-sufficient. You know what I didn't think about was I didn't think about who bought the Pop-Tarts. And I didn't think about who paid the electric bill so that I could have the microwave that would power the Pop-Tart. So there were so many things that I didn't see behind the scenes. And I think that's just like us when we think that we've got everything under control in our lives. When we think that we provide everything. We're like a seven-year-old who just learned microwave a Pop-Tart and he thinks he's got it all figured out. And we can't see behind the scenes what is actually upholding all things. Um, now, there's an interesting story in the Old Testament uh, where uh, the Hebrew people, you probably know this story, where they were enslaved by the Egyptians. And they were crying out to God, actually for hundreds of years, for God to come and, and, and bring them out of slavery in Egypt. And he did it in miraculous ways. It was unbelievable. So... Um, they're, they're brought out of Egypt, and you might remember that. That's the glorious part of it. Well, then, they, they're, they're searching for the promised land for a long time. And I, I don't know if you know this, um, but deserts don't have a lot of food in them. You're tra- you've got this nation of people that's traveling through the desert, and they've got no food. And if, if you're familiar at all with the Old Testament, you might know about this, this stuff called manna, where, where God actually... They go to sleep at night, and in the morning, there's these uh, bits of bread that are all over the ground called manna. And so the people have enough food even in the desert. Now, that would be, that's pretty amazing, right? Um, but, you know, uh, the, the people of Israel, especially at this time, they, they forget very quickly. You might remember when, when they left Egypt, what was really fascinating was they were all these miracles. They were brought out of Egypt, and then Moses goes up for, for uh, some time up on a mountain to get the Ten Commandments. By the time he's come down, they have already created a new God. That is how forgetful of people they are, okay? They forget right away how much God has provided for them. And we see this in Numbers chapter 11, and I'm going to read a couple of verses. They get sick of manna. They are sick of manna. They're provided something from God in the desert so that they always have something to eat, but they're sick of it. And it says this in uh, Numbers 11, verse 4, the riffraff, I love when the Bible says riffraff, the riffraff among them had a strong craving. Even the Israelites cried again and again, who will give us meat to eat? They, They were hankering for a paleo diet. We Remember the fish we ate in Egypt for free. The cucumbers, you know you're hungry when you can't wait for more cucumbers. The melons, the leeks, the onions, the garlic. Now our lives are wasting away. There's nothing but manna in front of us. 
nothing but manna, nothing but bread from heaven that miraculously shows up on the ground every day. See, what happens is that the people of Israel have become picky eaters, haven't they? They become picky eaters in the desert. Uh, when when our uh, oldest son, who's now ten, he was uh, about two or three, he would eat anything. Um, I, I'm big. I, I really like ethnic food, although I think that's not a real PC term. Isn't every kind of food pretty much ethnic to somebody? I don't think you know hamburgers and hot dogs are very you know ethnic to us, but they might be to somebody else. So I liked Indian food a lot when he was about two years old, and I, he would eat it. He would eat like a, a cur a curry or a korma. It was amazing. But by the time he got to about three, he stopped. He would eat nothing except chicken nuggets. If you are what you eat, he was a 40-pound chicken nugget with barbecue sauce. He wouldn't eat anything else. And we ended up going to his pediatrician, and uh, my wife said, well, it just doesn't seem like he'll, he'll expand beyond that. He won't eat his veggies and things like that. And he said, um, picky eaters usually aren't hungry enough. I was like, okay. He said, usually a couple meals in, they stop being picky eaters when they haven't had anything. And I thought that was interesting. So picky eaters aren't hungry enough. And I think that's an interesting uh, uh, thing to think about in, in a spiritual sense as well, is that when we become picky eaters in the kingdom of God, we start just wanting the things that are the tastiest to us, the most comfortable things for us personally, and, and we, we leave other things on the plate or maybe feed them to the dog. We, we, we want the grace. We want the love. We want the, these parts of, of our faith that, that feel really good, but we don't always want the confession. We don't always want the repentance, which is a part of, of our relationship with Jesus. We become picky eaters. And you know, here's a strange thing I think about uh, a dichotomy in the kingdom of God is that God wants us to be fed physically, but he wants us to be desperate for him spiritually. He wants a people that have been provided for, but are desperate for him. Now, um, I have, uh, did we get these handed out? Do, do, do we have these? We have a couple extra. Hey, Nick, could you start handing some of these? Joe, maybe you could help him out. Um, these these are our daily bread challenge. If you did not get one, please grab one that's coming by right now. Um, who here knows what Haven Street is? Anybody know? We talk about it a little, and we should talk about it more. And I'm going to talk about it real quick. So when we're talking about people who are in need of daily bread, physical daily bread, um, when we're talking about people who are in need of this physical daily bread, actual food to keep themselves alive, um, Haven Street is a ministry that that is their calling. They they want to meet people's needs, uh, and it's it's a ministry out of out of uh, out of the connection. And here's here's what they the idea behind it is that we want to introduce people to Jesus. That that's what the church is about. That's our mission. But if people are starving physically, it's hard to tell them about how they need to be fed spiritually. 
So sometimes you need to be able to, for one, give them a meal so that they have their provision, but it also lets them know that we love them, that we care about them, and that, that, that we're, we're a safe place. And so that usually opens up some doors for us to talk to them about Jesus. So they actually do meals on Sundays and Mondays, Sundays after church and Mondays in the evenings. Now here's the challenge that I want to make. We were talking about, I, I personally... I don't find that I need to look for bread very often, right? I don't go without meals unless I plan to or I tell myself I'm going to. Um, there's a, a uh, spiritual practice all throughout Scripture called fasting. And what fasting is is basically uh, not eating. Usually it's uh, stopping eating physical food for a period of time um, and using that time to pray and to seek God. Okay, here's what I want us to try to do. A challenge for us this week is this. Can you fast one meal this week? Just one meal. And Maybe it's a, a, a meal that you usually eat out at work or something like that. Uh, or maybe you just usually have a, a, a paper lunch or whatever. Fast that meal, and the second part is this. Give the cost of a normal meal for you because it's probably different for all of us, um, give the cost of a normal meal for you to Haven Street. And we made it real easy. You can just do text to give and just text in a donation of whatever that amount is. And then the third is probably even the most powerful part of this, which is during that time you would norm normally be eating, pray that you, your family, and your community will be physically fed and become spiritually hungry for the things of God. That you and your family, now that is the prayer that, that Jesus taught. Because here's something that's fascinating. Jesus doesn't say, pray this, give me my, this day my daily bread. He says what? Give us this day our daily bread. This was, this, even though he says earlier before we, we read this, we talked about it last week, go into your prayer closet. So you're alone, but you're praying for us. You're praying for your family, for your community. Give us this day our daily bread. So part of that is that you're praying that God would enter in for the people in your community, for the people in your family. When, um, when the disciples were talking to Jesus, uh, in John chapter 6, they actually brought up this manna from the Old Testament and talking about God's provision and how God provided. And uh, they, they mentioned it as if God through Moses provided the manna. Um, and the, the truth is they did complain to Moses about the manna. He was middle management, though, okay? So he wasn't really getting anything done. He was just the guy they could come to and complain about the manna. But in John chapter 6... Uh, Jesus says this in, in verse 32, I assure you, it wasn't Moses who gave the bread from heaven to you, but my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. The bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. You know, the greatest provision God provided for us out of all the blessings, out of everything he's been generous, was not a thing but a person. It was a person of Jesus Christ who came, who died, who was raised again so that we could be reconciled to the Father. And so even if we have days where we do not have the bread we need, we have the bread of life who sits on the throne in our lives. And there are days where we will find that, that, that we don't have the car we need. 
We find maybe that we don't have the health like we would want to have. But we have Jesus Christ reigning on the throne in our lives. And so no matter what we lack physically, we always have the hope of Christ reigning and ruling in our lives. And that's an amazing thing. That's a hope that we need to share with people in this world. But sometimes you've got to show them your love first. And this is a good way we can get started on that. And so I, I pray that you would, you would do this with us this week, is fast a meal, give the cost of that to Haven Street, and then take that time, because really this is the most important, is to take the time that you would be eating and pray that God would bring provision to your community, but also make us a spiritually hungry people. He wants us to be hungry and seek after his face. He wants us to be passionate, because when we're passionate for the things of God, it's going to change how we live. We're going to live in light of eternity. I'm going to invite the band back up. And uh, we're going to sing another song of worship. But I'd ask if you'd just bow your head and uh, pray with me. Lord God, I pray that you would make us a people who are spiritually hungry. I thank you that you do always come through for our needs. I pray, Lord God, that you would make us a people also. That you would make even us be the answer to someone else's prayer today, God. Someone else who is hungry for real food that we can provide. Make us the answer to others' prayers. If there are people in need that we can help, Lord God, make us your hands and feet. We pray this in your holy name.